Thank you for listening to our church podcast where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. Most of the sermons will be preached by our founding pastor, John Cole. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m. for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. Have you ever struggled with your desires? Have you ever struggled with your heart? Ever had maybe desires, passions in your heart that came to your mind? And you asked, where did those come from? Why do I struggle with these? Maybe they would be more emotional in nature. Maybe they would be a little bit provoked by another person. Or maybe they simply just come from your heart within and you don't quite know where these desires have come from. You ever had desires that were covetous? Where you just wanted something that, you know, God had not given you and did not belong to you, but you desired after it anyways. Connected to that, envy. Envied someone because they have it better than you. And you don't have what they have. Maybe a feeling of entitlement that would come up. Like something belongs to you that doesn't belong to you. Maybe lust, a desire to have or fulfill a pleasure or a want. Something that you feel like you lack and you feel like you need this. Whatever it might be, we all have desires in our heart. And it's important that we have desires that are right. In the passage that we're going to look at today, we're going to see desires that God blesses when we have these kind of desires in our heart. One preacher once said that sin, lust, for example, gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. The power of all temptation is the prospect that if I listen to that temptation and I follow through with it, it will make me happier. One of the greatest challenges that you and I face is to keep our heart right, is to keep good desires, to try to... Not give that attention would be a wrong way to approach life. It's easier to just try to uh, address the external fruit or behaviors that we do in our life. But Jesus tells us that things that we do on the outside, they start from the inside. God wants me and you to not only be concerned with the behaviors of our life, but the desires of our heart. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 tells us, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of our heart come all kinds of matters. And this is an admonition to keep your heart with all diligence, meaning all your effort, 110%, you are working to diligently Protect and keep your heart's desires right. 
a healthy heart. A lot of times what we want are quick fixes in life. Marriages want just a marriage that's happy. Parents just want kids that are obedient. People trying to steward finances just want their money to be more than it used to be, and they want out of the debt, they just want to have money. People that want God to answer prayers just simply want God to answer prayers. But the matter is, is that a lot of those issues of life stem from things in our heart. And if we'll address the desires of our heart, we can have a lot of those issues, those matters of life, be better. It may not fix them all. Someone could have good desires and a good heart and still have a uh, cantankerous spouse that still, even with a good heart, doesn't, doesn't want to have a good or right relationship. But that's not a justification for not having the right kind of desires of our heart. We must steward what God has entrusted us. And God has given us the, the duty, the responsibility of, by His grace, maintaining right desires and a right heart. This psalm reveals the heart's desires of the writer. We're not exactly sure who the writer is. There's several different possibilities. I'm not going to say I know who the writer is. I know who the final author is, and that's God, because I believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that God has given to us. But who actually wrote these words down uh, originally? We don't know exactly who was the writer of this particular psalm. It could have been David while he was out of Jerusalem due to Absalom's Rebellion. Remember learning about that? We've taught before about how his son, it wasn't that long ago we talked about his son in Psalm 51 who rebelled against David and David left Jerusalem and was outside of Jerusalem. And it's possible that he was writing while he was outside of Jerusalem because this psalm seems to be written before the Babylonian captivity took place and prior to them having the temple built during Solomon's day. It's because it talks about um, going to the courts of God and the tabernacles of God in a plural way because there was a couple different places they would go before the temple was built. So it seems like it could be during David's time because the, it seems like the temple had not been built yet. The Babylonian captivity for Israel had not taken place. And another reason is verses 8 and 9 that that. As we, we're going to go through the entire psalm today. But in 8 and 9, it kind of strangely inserts a prayer for the king, the anointed one. And it kind of seems out of place because the whole psalm is about this psalmist, this writer, and his relationship with God and his desire to go to the tabernacles and, and to be at the house of God and to spend time in worship with him. And then all of a sudden, two verses talk about praying for the king. Well, it could have been, if David's writing, could have still been personal. It could have been just talking about himself. I don't know. This psalm also could have been written by a Levite priest that was away from the tabernacles and just longing to be there and cherishing the times that he could be there at the tabernacles. Or it could just simply be a Jewish worshiper of God. That's thinking about the times where they would go and travel for one of the feasts 
and to be at the tabernacles and worship God. And they would travel sometimes for days in order to get to there and worship God and to participate in the feasts that would take place. But whoever it was, this person reveals a heart that says, I want to be in God's presence. I want to be at the house of God. I want to be at the tabernacles there. And I want to worship him there. And oh, how I long to be there. Whoever it was, that was their desire. The writer had righteous desires that God blesses. And he described them in this psalm. This psalm reminds me of of Jesus' words in the Gospel of Mark. I want us to look at those before we dive into the psalm itself. Mark chapter 12, it says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, prior to this verse, you had other Pharisees and scribes that were trying to test Jesus with all kinds of hard questions, and he answered them greatly like he always did. This scribe, after having heard those, he goes and it says, and perceiving that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? So what's the most important commandment that God has ever given? In verse 29, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, and then he prefaces it, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, colon, and it continues to give that first commandment. But first he prefaces it with who God is before he talks about the commandment related to God. Jesus says, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then he says in verse 30, this is Jesus speaking, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy, and he was telling this this questioner, this scribe that was asking Jesus, what's the first and most important commandment of God? And he answers that God is one Lord, and we are to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Verse 31 Jesus doesn't want to stop there. He goes ahead and gives a second, even though he wasn't asked for it. And he says, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. We know from Jesus' words here in several of the Gospels, this is one of the accounts of this that took place, that there are no greater commands in all the Bible than these two. To love God chiefly and attached to that and partially as a byproduct of that, I believe, the ability to love my neighbor as myself. These two are attached to one another. You cannot really love your neighbor as you ought to without loving God supremely and first. Anytime we love a neighbor, a person, a spouse, anything in our life first, then God, our love order gets out of place and it can become perverted. When I say perverted, I don't mean necessarily where it's evil or where it is 
I'm not talking about a cruel immorality, just simply out of order. To where we seek to love someone else, but when we don't love God first, we cannot love them the way God wants us to love them. Loving God enables us to love others the way we ought to. So Jesus says the first commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You give it all to God first, and then he helps enable you to love others after you've given it to him first. He helps you prioritize where your love goes. The way to have the right desires is to give them all to God. And we're going to see that in this psalm. You keep reading in this passage, and you'll notice that the scribe responds well to Jesus. Verse 32, And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. I'm thinking Jesus has to be saying, Oh, thank you for helping me understand that I said the truth here. For there is one, he must have been a young scribe. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. So it's like he's confirming Jesus. Good job, Jesus, you answered well. And then verse 33, he, he repeats it. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So he repeats back what Jesus said. He's very pleased. Jesus goes on to tell him that, uh, you know, you're pretty close to the kingdom of God. Good job listening. Jesus had taken this and brought it out from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. I want to go ahead and read that for you and allow you to read it there on the screen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, colon, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. This wasn't a new idea. So many times when Jesus brings truth in the Gospels, there's an error, and I've... uh, communicated or working with some people that I I know have read books by people that unfortunately bring out some of this perversion of the Bible where there's a Jesus only movement where, you know, they don't because they don't understand things of the Old Testament. They just just set aside the Old Testament, say, well, the Old Testament's not, you know, you can't really validate it. It was just allegorical and writings It's just Jesus. Jesus is all we need. But the problem with that is that Jesus affirmed all of the Old Testament, quoted it as the Word of God, and we get the New Testament today that also is quoted by the apostles back and forth and affirmed by the early church. So we have the Scriptures today given by God, and Jesus, many times people will quote things that Jesus say, and they'll say, oh, see, he brought something brand new. Like this, it wasn't really brand new. He had already given it in the Old Testament. Love the Lord thy God. God is consistent. And we see in this psalm that this psalmist had that desire in his heart and reveals it in the psalm. It is vital that you and I, by God's grace, keep a healthy heart with righteous desires. God blesses righteous desires, not just righteous behaviors and actions. 
But when we have righteous desires, God likes to give us the desires of our heart. When we desire what he wants us to desire anyways. And so Psalm 84 reveals what I believe to be, I'm going to look at three. You might be able to find more, but I'm going to, I see three righteous desires that God blesses in Psalm 84. Three righteous desires in Psalm 84 that we're going to look at today and let it move us to ask God to give us the grace and ability by His Holy Spirit to have these same desires. The first is found in the first four verses, and it is to desire to dwell in God's presence. Desire to dwell in God's presence. We're going to go through these four verses, and I'm going to ask if you just open your Bibles up. I'm not going to put the Scriptures on the screen because I want us to go by verse by verse and talk through those. So if you just keep your Bibles open on on your laps, um, we're going to go through this together and see this first desire that God wants us to have, that this psalmist has, that goes along with all of it. It will be summed up with what we already saw, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And this psalmist has that desire. The first desire is to dwell in God's presence, to be there, live with Him, sit by Him, kneel before Him, have your mind, your body, your soul all there in His presence. It's possible to be physically Quote, we're not the house of the Lord, the church, the people are. We don't have a place we go to that's the house of the Lord, like in the Old Testament, like we read it here in the tabernacles. But it's possible to be with the body of Christ physically, but your mind and your soul, your desires not to be there. And sometimes, it, I mean, it'd be better for that to happen than for you to say, you know what, my mind's not there, I'm just not going to go. Well, now you're just going to, create more problems for yourself. Go there and ask God to help your heart and mind get there with the body of Christ. But to dwell in God's presence is is to want to live in His presence and be there. Be in God's presence. The first verse we see here in Psalm 84 says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. God's tabernacles, again, are where God's presence would be and where the people of Israel would go to be in God's presence. We don't have that today. He now dwells in believers. But at that time, they would go to the tabernacles to worship God. And notice it says, How amiable are thy tabernacles. That that means how loved and lovely are thy tabernacles. He says, Your tabernacles, the places where we would go in order to be in God's presence, they are loved by many, and they're lovely. They're amiable. It starts out with an exclamation of, of, I I just love your tabernacles, God. I just love to be in the presence of God. As a believer, you get to go there anywhere, under the stars, in your closet, in your home, privately, and you get to go into God's presence corporately in the body of Christ when we gather together. But he says that God's tabernacles are lovely and they're loved. 
In the second verse, we read, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. These are strong, passionate desires here. My soul longing and fainting for the courts of the Lord. I just, I just gotta have it. Like as, as if, if someone says, I'm, I'm gonna die if I don't have it. I'm gonna die if I don't have the courts of the Lord. I'm gonna faint. I long for it. And he says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So really we see here, even some of the elements of Jesus when he brought out Deuteronomy's command here, we see his soul, his heart, and his flesh or body longing for and crying out to God. His soul, his, his heart, his flesh, everything of him crying out saying, God, I just, I want your presence. I want to be at the tabernacle. I love being with you, God. Then in verse 3 we see, he says, Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Here the psalmist observes how blessed are the birds that nest in God's tabernacles, almost with a little bit of envy of saying, I wish I could be like one of those birds. Maybe this was a priest that was away from the tabernacle and is remembering in his mind pictures of when he saw birds up in the tabernacle saying, oh, I'm so far away. I just wish I could. I wish I could be like one of those birds there that were ever dwelling in God's presence, creating a nest there, building a home there in the tabernacles of God. Or maybe it was David chased away by Absalom and he couldn't be in Jerusalem and he was far away and he was having the same picture and just saying, oh, I just wish I could be back in Jerusalem. I think of those sparrows. I think of the swallow, a kind of bird, maybe a dove type bird. But these birds that, that would nest and be in the tabernacles, oh, I just wish I could be there. Or maybe it was a Jew that would travel there every several years and and go and, and is having the same picture I I wish I didn't have to travel to get there. I wish I didn't have to wait. I just wish I could, as the bird, why does the bird get to do this? I wish I could just live there all the time. I wish I never had to leave God's tabernacle, God's presence. If I could, I would stay there all day long. Why can't my house be in the tabernacle? That's the kind of heart's desire, emotion that's coming out. Very different than sometimes how we feel when we say, hey, it's time to gather at God's people and we, and we find every excuse we can to not go to God's presence with God's people and God's body. Or maybe the thought of, I need to pray and spend time alone with God. And we have many things that come up in our life that cause us to say, well, I got this to do and that to do. And it's very natural that we can have our life full of so many reasons not to go. But when you have a desire... A desire will move you to say, I must get in his presence. I want to be there. Then we see in verse 4, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. This is probably, I think, probably talking about the priests 
First, talk about the birds that live there. Now, it's talking about those that actually, they get to be there all the time. It's part of their occupation. They get to be at the, at the uh, house of the Lord all the time. And he's just saying, blessed are those that get to dwell in the house of the Lord. What a privilege it is. That they get to always be at the house of God. And that made me think about even as a preacher of the gospel, uh, surrendering my life to God's work, that I should never take lightly the opportunity to say as much as possible, my life should be to dwell in the presence of God and invite others there. That ought to be my, my life as a preacher of the gospel to, to live in the presence of God and then to yell out to those that, that are distracted and, and confused or even running away and say, Hey, come over here. It's great. Amen. Living in the house of God. But really every believer ought to have that same kind of desire. That's what we're seeing here to say, you know what? Blessed, happy are those who just dwell and live. They don't have to just, they don't have to travel there every so often, every few years. They get to, they get to stay there all the time. How blessed. And notice it not only says they're blessed, but it says they will still, they will be still praising thee. So it says they're, they're in there praising God in the tabernacle. They're not, they're not in God's presence and acting like, well, I'm putting in my time. I got to. I got to go to the tabernacle. Or today, New Testament believers, I, I got to gather with my church body. Or I got to go to my prayer closet and pray and be with God. But rather, praising Him while I do it. I got to sing songs together. No, no, no. I get to sing songs about blessed assurance. I have something worthy of singing from my lips and giving it out so that way God hears me bring out of my heart and through my lips to Him my grateful desire of His love. It is important that believers have emotional gratification of God, emotion that comes out about who God is. We all express it in different ways. I've heard preachers say before, especially... When I've been, you know, pre, uh, in churches down south, and they would talk about the people that go to ball games, and they would talk about, you know, you know, bless God, you get, you got to act crazy at church, you know, because when you when you go to the ball game, you you strip your shirt off and you write something on your chest and you wear crazy hats and you go wild. And I thought, I don't do that when I go to a game, you know, I just don't do that. But you know what? If you do that, I agree. You know, shout it out and, and, and express yourself in church, but there's not a right or way, a right way or wrong way to do it, but we ought to have a desire inside that says, you know, I want to praise God. Maybe it's a simple in your heart that that's good, God. Maybe it's a soft word off your lips. Maybe it's a shout and a hand raise in the air. Maybe it's a hanky and you bring the hanky out and you say, praise the Lord. Maybe it's crying and slobber coming down in your prayer closet alone with you and God and you're crying. But it doesn't have to be any one of those. It just simply ought to be praising or lifting up God. And he's saying, blessed, happy is that person that gets to dwell in God's presence, praising Him in His presence. What we do know is praising Him is not begrudging the, 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 the duty to have to be in his presence or being with his people. 
And so as uh, I've heard many preachers say before, if you're happy, tell your face. Sometimes you got to, you know, I know you, I know you're praising God, but, you know, be a little bit more convincing. There's not a right or a wrong way. But in God's presence and dwelling in his presence, we praise him. So first of all, a right desire that God blesses is to desire to dwell in God's presence. Secondly, it's to desire to travel the way to God. To travel to the way to God. A number of good thoughts in these verses here. We're going to look at verses 5 through 9 where we see the acting out of this desire to travel the way to God. Keep in mind as we go to read this that, again, those that would worship God and join together in the Old Testament, they would travel sometimes days to join in in these feasts and be with God's people and to bring sacrifices to God and offerings and worship God. It was a big deal. Not only was it a big deal to have the opportunity to be in God's presence and God's people, but it was also a big deal to get there. You didn't just hop in your car, turn it on, and drive 20 minutes or three minutes or whatever it takes to come to church and be with your God's people. It was a big deal to get there for many. And so we read about that here, verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose, in whose heart are the ways of them. So we see verse 5, first of all, saying to, that this desire finds its strength in God, desiring the way to God's presence finds this psalmist is finding is saying blessed is the man who finds his strength in God his strength and not only finds his strength in God but in whose heart in his heart are the ways to Zion the ways of them is talking about the ways of them that travel to Zion and so it's saying blessed is the man who in his heart are the ways to get to Zion. And then it's going to continue to talk about that in the next verse. Blessed is the one that not only desires to be in God's presence, but actually desires the way, the road, the traveling to get there and says, I like that road. I like that traveling. I actually like going down that journey. Oh, we get to do it again. Blessed is that one who finds strength in God and, and in his heart desires the way to God's presence. Then verse 6, if you'll notice, it says, who, this is the person that's traveling to Zion, traveling to the tabernacles, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. He's saying this person that desires that road, that traveling to God's tabernacle, he's passing through this valley. We don't exactly know where this is. People give different theories, but it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily an actual place, but rather it's a dry, it's just a description of a dry place, a sorrowful place, a place of difficulty that this, this person would travel through to get there. 
And it's not one particular because you'd have Jews traveling from all over to come to uh, the tabernacles there in, in Jerusalem and to worship. But likely they would have to go through desert places to get there. Those aren't easy to travel through. Places where you would find little to no water. Places that would be hot. Places where there might be robbers. Places where the roads are difficult, narrow, bumpy, dirty. You're not walking down nice sidewalks like they're about to, Lord willing, soon put down for us here in Miller. You're not walking down paved anything. And he's saying, blessed is this person who desires in his heart the way to get to Jerusalem, who passing through this valley, it makes it a well. What do you mean by that? Well, this is a, 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 a place of sorrow, a place of a, a desert place. And because he desires this so much, and because of God's grace or the rain that's mentioned there, the rain filleth the pools, God's grace, because of his desire to go down this way, and God's grace that is given, even a dry place, a sorrowful place, is made a joyous place. How come some people can go down a road that looks like a hard road to go down, and some can have joy down that road? And others will use that road to say, ah, I would go to the presence of God, but I don't know about that. That's several days. Costs a lot of money. It's bumpy. It's hot. Dirty. There's no water. You could die on that tri trip. I, I just can't do it. And then the psalmist, his heart says, I like that road. I desire that way. It's in my heart, and it becomes a place of springs, a place with a well. It doesn't really have a well, possibly. There's another interpretation it could be, but in his heart says, that's a good road to go down. I like going to God's presence. Now, we know that God's way is first and foremost today, as a New Testament believer, seeing the word of God, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And we know that Jesus Christ ultimately is the way to God. And so we all, it's pretty easy for us to love God's way to him because it's Jesus who came to us. But there's a lot of other ways or roads that you and I have to go down to go into God's plan and will for our lives. And the person with the right kind of desire says, I just like being in God's so presence so much. I like that road. And I'm going to go down it. And they don't go down the road saying, oh, I can't believe I got to go down this road. You know, I look forward to getting to the tabernacle, but I hate these roads. But rather says, you know what? God, thank you for these roads. Thank you for the Valley of Baca. Thank you I can go down this desert place. And they make it a good place. They don't complain about the place. They don't talk about how bad of a place it is. But rather, while the people are traveling with them, they're not saying, I hate traveling with John. He's always talking about how bad it is to come down this desert place to go to the mountain. Hey, why don't you just stay back home? 
but rather says, I like traveling with John. He sings about where he's going when he's down that road. He talks about how beautiful the sunset and sunrise is in this desert place. He points out the cactuses that he sees and he, and, and the sounds of the animals at nighttime and builds a fire when it's dark and cold and enjoys the crackling of the fire and sings songs around it while he's traveling down the road. Which kind of person do you want to be? Well, the psalmist is talking about desiring and in their heart actually longing for and enjoying the way to God's presence. Not only dwelling in His presence. That's not as easy to do. It's possible in verse 6 that he actually not only desires and, and is more joyous, but actually acts out that joyous and actually makes a well for himself. It's possible that that's what it's talking about when it says it make it a well. I'm not sure. We can't be totally sure about that. But passing through this valley, he make it a well. It's probably he just makes it a, a place of springs that he enjoys, but it's possibly he literally physically makes a well as he travels down. And next time, it's a little bit better. And the person coming behind him, it's a lot better for them. We can go down the roads that God has us go in life and, and, and be bitter and complain about it, or we could be a person that as we go down the road, we say we see how good we can make it. We see how many wells we can develop down there. I don't know if that's what this is talking about here or if it's just simply His Spirit that's being described, but it's very applicable that as we go down hard roads that we create sources of joy and provision for both us those with us, and those behind us. And for the next time, we got to go down that road. One person will complain the whole way, and the next time not go back. A person like this will say, I like this. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to build some wells. And next time, it's even going to be more fun because I don't have to dig. Or get his kids to all help him dig with him, you know. You don't dig by yourself. Crazy fool, you know? You gotta get, right kids? That's my kids are, that, I had to say it because I know that's what my kids are thinking. Working is an opportunity to train the children to work with me. Don't do it by yourself. But this traveler enjoyed the road that he was on. In verse 7, you'll notice here, it says, They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. So on their way to go appear before God in the tabernacles, they go on this road going through these hard valleys from strength to strength. This, this psalmist is talking about continuing from strength to strength even when they're through these dry times. And so that might just be spiritually your high points where they're joyous and there might be a time where he's on that road and he's going, you know, this stinks. This is hard. It's possible he's not like here the whole time. It's possible that he goes from strength, I love this road, I like this stuff, to where some things happen and problems come and he's just like, oh, man, this is tough. But then I'm going to make it through, I'm going to push through and get back to the next, the next strength that God helps me with, the next point of grace where God helps me from this point to that point. Because life is really that way. It's not all up here. You go from good point, 
where you feel spiritually strong and right with God and, and full of His Spirit. You might have a time of low and feeling a bit of depression or difficulty or struggle, and then you, you make it through and say, God, help me, and then He helps me, and I go from strength to strength. Or possibly, like we talked about before, from a well to well. After you make those points, you go from one to the next to the next, and in between time, it's hard. But you keep going from strength to strength. Then we see in verses 8 and 9 here, the Scripture says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. This is where the psalmist asks God to look upon the king. And that's why I said it seems a little strange where it's inserted in here. Like, okay, what's this have to do with worshiping at the tabernacle? I'm praying and thanking God for the tabernacle, the way to the tabernacle. And next you know it, asking God to bless the king. I, that's why I think it very likely could be David that's writing and talking about himself, saying, God, please, you know, look upon the king. I wish I was at the tabernacle. I wish I could go back. If he's chased away by Absalom, he's saying, God, just look upon the king. I, I want to go down that road again. I want to be there. He's thinking not only of himself, but other people that travel there. I don't know if it's him or if it's someone else. Maybe it's someone that's not the king, and he's just saying, God, bless the king. Help us have a peaceful government. Help the tabernacle to stay stay there and don't let some enemies come and take that tabernacle away. Keep Jerusalem strong. God, protect our king. Maybe it's that. I don't know. All I know is he prays for it. And we see the desire to travel the way to God. The desire either for the king to get there or for God to bless the king, look upon him and keep that way uh, a way that you can go. Thirdly, we not only have a desire to dwell in God's presence and a desire to travel the way to God, but thirdly, a desire to choose God first. Again, this goes along with what Jesus said in the first commandment. A desire to choose God first. Look at me in verses 10 and 12, please. It says, for a day in thy courts... Again, see, it's not like the psalm changed. It's, it's all on the same topic. So somehow that the king prayer is connected. But verse 10 says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. He says, oh, Being in your presence in your courts, it's better than a thousand days where I'm not in your courts. It's first. It's my preference. It's what I like most. He goes on to say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. This is interesting. He not only says that one day in God's presence is better than a thousand anywhere else, but he also says that he'd rather be a doorkeeper. Some believe that would be the reference to the sons of Korah in even the, the preface of the psalm. Some of them were servants and waiters or porters for the tabernacle. And so it could have been referenced to that where it's better to be a porter serving and waiting in the house of God than it, than it is to be someone that is important in a fine place of the wicked people, 
Or it could just simply be someone that's positioned in the very back by the door in God's presence, all the way back. Maybe in a place of servants, uh, a service, something they do, or maybe just simply a person that they don't have the best seat. They're out in the back. Maybe even someone that's poor and a beggar. A lot of times they would beg out in front of the uh, uh, the, the tabernacles. But, may, but he's saying, I'd rather be right there at that doorpost, close to God's, but right there, than to be dwelling in the tents with wealth, with fame, with provisions, in the place of the wicked. I'd rather be in a lowly position. I'd rather be on the edge of God's presence than I would to be in a lofty position in the place of the wicked. He's saying my preference is I choose God first. Then he goes on to give a little bit of why. Notice what he says about God here in verse 11. Three things we'll see. First, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He's a son. This is a very unique reference of God calling him a son, S-U-N. This is not something you see in other parts of the Old Testament talking about God being a son. But here we see it saying that God is a son, a source, a, a, a light, a help. He's the center of our world. He's my son. And he is a shield, a protector. For the Lord is a son and a shield. And then we see here, the Lord will give grace and glory. Grace, his favor, his provisions that I don't deserve. Glory, his honor, that God would honor and, and actually glorify his, his, I don't deserve him. I want his presence. I want him first. And yet God would actually give grace and glory, honor to his servant. And then we see at the end of verse 11, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. He really thinks a lot of God here. And he says, you know, for those that will walk uprightly, have these desires and desire after his presence and desire after that way to God and to God's presence and God's way, he said, he's not going to withhold anything good that God wants him to have. He's going to be liberal in what he gives to this person. He's going to want to bless and help him. That doesn't, that's not a prosperity gospel message where God, that means God's just going to fill up his bank account and he's going to give him gold rings and that's not what it's talking about. But good is a lot more than what we tend to think of like financial gain. God was good to Job, but Job went from strength to strength. You start in the beginning of the book of Job and you see God gave him a lot and then you see a period of time where he endures much trials. But at the end, he helps him again. And all of it, not just what we call the good, all of it was good for Job. Even the Valley of Baca for him. Even that hard place that he went through was good for Job. And the psalmist here is trusting God, and that's where it all gets summed up with. How can you believe, even when you go through desert places, that God's not withholding good from you? Because this is the same person writing here. And he's talking about going through hard times. So why, 
you know, think about it. If you're a new uh, Old Testament Jew, w- would you possibly be tempted with the idea of like, what's the big deal of going to the tabernacle anyways? I mean, like, if God's really that big, why do I have to travel to him? If he loves me that much, you know, why would I have to go there? Could they possibly be tempted to think like that? I, I don't know if they would have thought that way. If they were an American, they, they would have thought that way. But they thought, why? Why can't God, why, you know, it, it, if God wants me to worship him, why do I got to go through a desert to go there? He's withholding good from me. But instead, the person says he won't withhold good when we walk upright with him. He lets me enjoy the desert. And he rains sometimes. And he lets me have joy in that place. Oh, and then I get to the actual tabernacle. And I think about how wonderful it would be to live in the tabernacle and be buried up in the nest and always be there or be a priest that serves in the tabernacle and just always there. That's the heart, but it's all summed up in this last part. Notice in verse 12, it says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Happy. Blessed. This is a constant theme you have in the Bible and in particular in the Psalms. Over and over again, you get the, you get the theme, trust in the Lord. So Pastor, you're talking about trusting God again. Well, it's not me that's saying it again. It's God saying it over and over again. If I would trust God, that would take care of really most of my problems. If I would just trust him. If you trust him, you'll trust that his presence is something to dwell with and dwell in. If you trust God, you'll trust that traveling the way he tells you to go to get to his presence and to get to his way and to do his will that he has for you, it's good. If you trust him, you'll choose him first and not the sparkly things that we're so often to reach for first and then see if we can fit God in afterwards and then find out we can't because my life's too full. Choose God first. Well, that, that comes with trust. I'll give a concluding statement. We'll close for today. Very simply, be blessed by God as you desire first God's way and presence. That one statement gives the three points that we share today. If you remember that, that gives a summary of it all. Kids, write that one down. Be blessed by God as you desire first God's way and God's presence. Make God first. Desire his way. Desire his presence. Three desires that God blesses. I want a heart that desires these things. We ought to seek and ask for God to give us these desires. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.